0: Uh, But we are here today in Luke chapter 4. We're already kind of moving through the gospel of Luke together. It's been really good. Uh, While you're kind of getting there, let me just remind you of tonight's pasta fundraiser. I know you've heard about it a lot over the last several weeks, and you walk in, and there's decorations in the hall to remind you of it, but I I wanted you to hear this from me. I know you've heard it from the platform and in our announcement videos, but... Uh, we we are not going to fundraise our church to death. This is the fundraiser for our youth camp and uh, kids camp So we're not just know that tonight I want you just to pray about what the lord would have you give and come and give generously Let's have a good time support our kiddos and in that i'm also excited about just getting to get together and hang out So we're gonna have a really good time tonight I want you to make plans to come and hang out with us and just pray about what the lord would have you give So we'll see you this evening for that. But with all of that Man, what a great day we've already had. It's uh, I, I told the first service, I'm always antsy about preaching and eager to get going. Uh, but all you got to do is start having baptism. And by the time you get to preach, you're like, you're running. So this whole day, I haven't had time to be antsy today. But I'm excited about what God's going to do. And I hope you are too. So let's just take a moment to pray and ask him to help us. Uh, because in the midst of all the fun, in the midst of all the excitement, you may be here today and the only reason you're here is because somebody was getting baptized and you're like, I don't really do this whole church thing. But I, I just want to tell you that God knows that you are here today. So if you are in this room, if you are watching online right now, if you are under the sound of my voice, I want you to know that God has a word for you. So let's pray and ask him to speak to us and then we'll get to work here in Luke chapter 4. Lord Jesus, what a joy it is to be in your house uh, with our church family and guests who are here. What a joy to celebrate new life. Uh, Lord, even as, as I pray and look at this baptistry before me, God, what joy we have to be able to celebrate new life. But as I think about new life and these folks who have come for baptism, I'm also reminded of the fact that every single one of us who have a relationship with you have that same new life. So Lord, we rejoice in the new life you've given us, but Lord, we know that new life comes with a new call, and that's to follow you with everything that we have. Lord, we don't want to be people who uh, profess to follow you, but don't follow you. So Lord, as we open your word, we're asking you to teach us what it means and what it looks like to follow you. So help us to do that today. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, uh, heart to receive and feet to walk out your truth today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, Luke chapter 4, let's get to the text. I just got to tell you, I might be sore tomorrow from all these baptisms. Like, I'm just thinking that. Like, I was stretching back there, and I was like, oh man, but that's a good sore. It's a good sore, alright? Anytime we can do that, it's great. The word of the Lord, Luke chapter 4, let's read it together. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. Once again saying, It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. And He took Him to Jerusalem and set Him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to Him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So now even Satan is trying to quote Scripture. Jesus, though, in verse 12, answers Him, saying, It is said... You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, this is a classic story. If you have a church background, you've likely heard multiple sermons on this passage. If you're new to church and following Jesus, then this may be new to you. But I would just say, regardless of where you're at this morning, this should be a little bit shocking to us. And here's why. The Bible tells us that following his baptism, Jesus has just been baptized. And if you remember last week's message, he's been baptized. The Spirit of God descends in the form of a dove and the voice of God audibly and loudly says, This is my son. Listen to him. This epic, incredible moment. Then the Bible says that the Spirit of God leads Jesus out into the wilderness, into the desert, to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Here's why that kind of concerns me today. And and I don't want to be an alarmist, but I do want to offer just a word of caution. I said last week that, that we are in an exciting time as a church family. People are coming to Christ. People are being baptized. People are coming to join our church. And we're celebrating all of that. But as we celebrate, again, just another word of caution to be prepared. Because the reality is we have a real enemy who does not like it when God is on the move. And some of you perhaps have experienced this, but it's in moments of great spiritual triumph that the enemy comes in to attack, just as we see here with Jesus. So if you're not already, I just want to invite you to please pray for our church. Intentionally pray for these 12 people who are baptized today. Next week in your bulletin, there will be a list of their names. And and I would just ask you to come next week, get that, commit to pray for them in this season, because the reality is when God is moving in our lives, the enemy does not like it. The reality is it's not if, but when temptation comes, will we be prepared? So it's good that the Lord has led us to this passage. Again, we're walking kind of right through the book of Luke in order, and the Lord is directing our steps. And here we are on baptism day talking about this. It's just cool to see how God works. So Jesus is in the desert, and the text tells us that all of this takes place in a span of 40 days. Jesus is fasting. He has not had any food. And Luke notes that at the end of 40 days, Dr. Luke, very astute here, says, He was hungry. No kidding, Dr. Luke. I'm just telling you, if I fast for 40 minutes, I'm hungry, all right? So by the end of this service, I'm going to need a donut to pick me up, all right? But Jesus is hungry, and Satan is going to come in and tempt Jesus in three very specific ways. First, with practical needs. Hey, Jesus, you're hungry, right? Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? Why don't you make some food? You can do that. You're Jesus. Jesus responds, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Then it says Satan essentially is taking Jesus on a tour of the world. It says he takes him up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in an instant. You can imagine what that must have been like, but it was probably kind of crazy. So Jesus sees this and the devil says, hey, I, I kind of can run all of this. I'll give it to you if you worship me. And Jesus again says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Finally, the text tells us that Satan takes him up on the pinnacle of the temple. Now, when you read about the temple in Jerusalem, I think that sometimes we kind of just see like a megachurch-looking building. But the temple was a beautiful, gorgeous, ornate wonder of architecture. And it was about six or seven stories high. So Satan takes Jesus to the top of the temple and says, Hey, why don't you throw yourself down? No big deal. If you do, somebody will come and catch you. We got this. And Jesus says... You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In fact, if you remember, that's where uh, Satan actually misquotes Scripture and tries to abuse Scripture. And Jesus says, no, 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 God said you shouldn't put him to the test. Luke tells us then at this point, after three attempts, that finally the enemy leaves him. But notice that Luke notes there, until an opportune time, he's not done yet. So in the midst of a short and really rather to the point passage here, There's a lot for us to consider. Before we specifically talk about temptation, it's important that we continue this theme. Dr. Luke is trying to teach us through this gospel about who Jesus is and what he came to do. So we've been reminded of this truth throughout this series. And again, we see here that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. We talked about this at length a couple weeks ago. If you want more on that, you can go back a couple weeks and look at our archives and listen to that entire sermon. But Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet we know that Jesus did not sin. And we see that here in Luke 4. Just as we are tempted, Jesus was tempted, but he never bought the enemy's lies, and Jesus always wins. He always wins. It's important to note here that this is foreshadowing the fact that Jesus will ultimately defeat Jesus through his death. he'll He'll defeat Satan. Jesus won't defeat Jesus. He'll defeat Satan through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And then ultimately, we're still waiting for that day when he returns and finishes this thing. The reality is Jesus always wins. He's fully God and he's fully man and he always wins. It's important truth for us to remember. So as we think about temptation, we need to keep that in the background of our minds and our hearts so we can remember that truth. But so much has been made of these temptations and how they speak to our lives, again... I said earlier, if you have a church background, you've probably heard messages on this passage. Some have talked about the nature of these temptations and how Satan wants to tempt us with like the physical and the spiritual and the testing God, all these different ways that Satan will tempt us. Some people will talk about the ways that uh, the fallacies in Satan's temptation, how he's trying to misquote scripture, but then he's also trying to offer Jesus something that really is already his anyways. But today, what I want to do, rather than get into the theological stuff that's there and there's good stuff, we could spend a few weeks on this. In the few minutes we have together, I want us to kind of zoom out and take a broad view as we think about what temptation is and how we can go about it and dealing with it as the people of God. So first, let's look about, think about the reality of temptation, the reality of temptation and his Uh, commentary on Luke, Chuck Swindoll lays out a very plain breakdown of what temptation is. By the way, uh, some of you maybe got one, but if you didn't on your way out, you may want to grab one of the study guides on these counters in the back. Uh, You could also go to the Crossroad app and get that study guide. There's a lot of content on there that may be helpful for you to have, okay? Uh, So here are the four things. First, the phases of temptation, the appeal. Something forbidden promises fulfillment apart from God's Provision. Secondly, we have the struggle. Tension builds between the appeal of sin and belief in God's goodness. Number three, we have the response. A decision is made to either disobey or to wait on God. And then number four, the aftermath. The consequences of sin breed despair and obedience multiplies blessing. Now, let me just be real honest. When you lay it out like that, it doesn't seem like a difficult choice, does it? If I were to be like, okay, quick poll. Who wants to multiply despair in your life? Who wants to multiply the blessing of God? Like, we know the answer to that, right? Yeah, the character right on the second one, right? We want to multiply the blessings of God. It's an easy choice, but here's the reality that shocks us a little bit. We all fall into temptation and struggle with temptation. Even when we lay out the reality of temptation, here's the other reality. This is still a struggle for us. Even though we know it's a very clear choice, we still find ourselves struggling. Why is that? We know that sin is dumb, but Jesus is awesome. So why do we continually find ourselves choosing this path? The reality of temptation is that we have a real enemy. Just like Satan tempted Jesus, you need to know that Satan tempts us. Satan tempts us. The devil, Satan, the evil one, whatever you want to call him, the reality is we have an enemy. And he really does, as the Bible says, seek to kill, steal, and destroy God's people. I'm not sure, though, that we take the threat of Satan seriously today. I think, and I'll just be honest, confession from my life, I think at times it's kind of awkward to talk about Satan. Satan. I don't want to talk about it. And, you know, I kind of come from a background where, you know, if you went to a church and they talked about Satan a lot, you were like, it's one of those churches, right? So even me preaching about this and, and talking about it so much, it seems kind of weird for us. But, but what we've done, I'm afraid, is kind of turned Satan into the bumbling, idiot, bad guy character in every super, superhero movie. Like we kind of think of the, the red horns and the pitchfork, and he almost becomes a bit. It just becomes like a joke, and we don't really seriously think about the enemy that's in our lives, and, and we really disregard it and push it to the outside. But we need to understand the Bible is consistently calling us to watch out for our enemy. The Bible's consistently, here's what it says. It says that Satan is like a lion prowling around seeking someone to devour That's what the Bible says about our enemy. So the call for us today, when we realize that Satan tempts us, is to not treat the lion like a cute little kitten. But I think this is what we do. We're like, oh, that's sweet. Look at that. When actually, he is a lion and he wants to kill you. I I think it's kind of interesting. Again, we have toddlers. Some of you have seen our kids. And if you've had to watch them, just I apologize. But one of the things about toddlers... And toddlers, TV and movies, is that they have animals in them and they, they always give these animals anthropomorphic qualities. Yeah, that's right. I'm real proud. This is two services in a row I had to stop down and be like, you're welcome. I just use the word anthropomorphic, okay? Okay. Essentially, though, making animals just like us. They talk, they have personalities, and I remember a couple years ago when my daughter Edda was like three, she's watching a movie, and I can't remember, it was like a talking snake, but it was a friendly talking snake, and she was like, snakes are fun, and I was like, whoa, 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 let's have a conversation here, all right? If you see a snake in the yard, don't walk up and try to talk to it, Okay? But can I tell you, I think sometimes the way we either don't talk about Satan because it feels awkward or the way we just generalize him and turn him into like a little cartoon character in our world and in our Christian culture makes it where we don't guard ourselves for the things that happen. We need to realize that Satan tempts us. And here's how he does it. First, Satan is a deceiver. Deception is how he messes with us. Satan is a master deceiver. We see his tactics on display here in the text. He's going to misquote scripture. He's going to wait until Jesus is is really, really hungry and then he hits him where it hurts. The Bible even tells us he can masquerade as an angel of light. The enemy knows where we're hurting and all of us hurt in different ways at different times. And Satan hits us where we are weak and when we are weak and vulnerable. For some of you that may be sexual temptation, some of you that may be food, some of you that may be anger, some of you that may be money or pride or possessions, I could go on and on, but you can bet that when we are in our weakest moments, Satan will be there to tempt us. Not only is he a master deceiver, but Satan is relentless. He is relentless. Notice that he doesn't tempt Jesus once and then say, ah, he ain't going to fall for it and get out of there. No, three times he tempts him. And then it says that he's going to come back. He's waiting for an opportune time. We know that in like Luke 22, he's going to come back in the garden and try to tempt him again. Satan is relentless in and persistent in his temptation. We have a deceiving and relentless tempter. And we need to understand that and be aware of that and be on guard for that. But there's a second reality of temptation that I think is so important for us, and that's this. We have a choice. We have a choice. And that choice is to believe in God or to believe the lies of the enemy. You know, you could listen to that last point about Satan, the uh, deceptive and relentless deceiver, and you could almost be like, well, man, we're just, I mean, I don't know, Satan's a punk. We're just going to fall sometimes. That's just the way that it is. But the reality of temptation is that we always have a choice. It may seem difficult, it may be hard, but the reality is we have a choice. At the root of every temptation is this question Do you believe God or not? Is Jesus really better than sexual temptation? Is Jesus really better than overeating? Is Jesus really better than money? Is Jesus really better than possessions? Is Jesus really better than fame or hatred towards people or anything else that may be a temptation in your life? And the answer should be a resounding yes. Yes. We have a choice in this. We have a tempter, but we have a choice. And we have a real enemy, but we have a real Savior who has given us everything we need to defeat temptation in our lives. So how do we do this? Let's talk about the resolve for temptation. What is our resolve? How can we commit and how can we withstand the temptation we encounter in this life? Here's the big truth. We defeat temptation by walking in God's presence. We defeat temptation by walking in God's presence. I I want to read a long quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I don't read long quotes very often, so bear with me. I think it's worth taking the time to do this. Here's what it says. In our members, there is a slumbering inclination towards desire, which is both sudden and fierce. With irresistible power, desire seizes mastery over the flesh. All at once, a secret smoldering fire is kindled. The flesh burns and is in flames. It makes no difference whether it's sexual desire or ambition or vanity or desire for revenge or love of fame and power or greed for money or that strange desire for the beauty of the world. Joy in God in course is in course of being extinguished in us as we seek all our joy in the creature. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. He loses all reality and only desire for the creature is real. The only reality is the devil. And now listen to this line. Satan does not here fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. And now falsehood is added to this proof of strength. The lust thus aroused envelops the mind and the will of man in deepest darkness. The powers of clear discrimination and of decision are taken from us. It's here that everything within me rises up against the word of God. Do you see how this happens in our life? It's so important that you catch the truth of this. Satan doesn't come down and say, hey, it's me, the devil. How about some sin? I feel like we would pass that, right? Like I would certainly hope so. Sometimes our heart does get that rebellious, though. Can we just be honest? There are times where we willfully and intentionally choose sin. But if Satan shows up and goes, hey, it's me, Satan, let's sin a little bit. Most of us are okay, but this isn't what happens. And I looked at Bonhoeffer says, it's not that he even makes us hate God and run the other direction. The master deception of our enemy is that he makes us forget about God. And we're not even thinking about God. And when we're not even thinking about him, he lulls us into this state of forgetfulness We are just ready to be tempted and ready to fall. So what is the antidote to this poison of forgetfulness? We've already said it. It's being intentional and practicing the presence of God. Keeping God and His truth in our minds and our hearts at all times. I worked for several years in young adult ministry, working with college students. And so many young men and women struggled and continued to struggle with pornography. In fact, the reality is, is that even in the church, the numbers are staggering. Many of you probably had a little skip in your heart when I used that word because it's a struggle for you. But one thing that I started encouraging uh, these young folks to do is to keep the Bible app open on their phone. I-, I encourage them to keep their Bible open around their computer. Why is that? Because it's hard to watch pornography when the Bible is open between you and the screen. And that sounds like, that's kind of weird. Can I tell you why? It's not like a trick and it's not like this is a magic book that's going to stop us from sinning. But most of the time when we are sinning, it is because we are not even thinking about God. And if we're reminded that we have a God who loves us and created us for so much more than the sin of the world, if we remember that, then we are going to choose to follow him because, listen, church, Jesus is better. Jesus is so much better. If we're going to defeat temptation, we've got to not fall for the tricks of the enemy to forget about God. Instead, we've got to remember and walk in his presence. And this is where we can get real practical before we leave this morning. We're almost done. You doing okay this morning? All right, good. Wow, that was a big response. I wasn't expecting that. This is a hard message, okay? And I'll just tell you, I know this is hard. The first service is the same way. It's tough because it's so personal. Because every single one of you in here, me included, we struggle with some of these things. Whether it's something I've mentioned or not even mentioned, but we struggle with temptation in our lives. But the good news is is that Jesus has given us tools to help us respond and to defeat temptation in our lives. So let's look at those real quick. The first one is this, resist the enemy. Resist the enemy. James 4, 7 is a great verse to commit to memory. Here's what it says. Submit yourselves therefore to God... Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Again, it's interesting to point out here that resisting the devil begins with submitting ourselves to God. Once again, we've already kind of talked about that. But then we must intentionally resist the enemy. Now it's time for us to get real with each other because here's something that I think if we're honest, you would recognize in your life sometimes. A lot of times we run to temptation instead of running from temptation. We're guilty of running to temptation instead of running from temptation. Here's an example. In in a culture where sexual temptation is all around us and we struggle, there are so many people who are struggling with that today. And one of the first things that I always identify in my life and in the lives of others when we're talking about this is, what are you watching? What are you watching? What are you letting into your eyes and your heart via the screens in your life? The movies and the TV that we watch. What are you watching? Because so many of us are watching things that, if we could be honest today, are really full of things that are just inviting that temptation into our life. Most of the the dramas and the shows that we watch today are just letting temptation directly into our homes. We arrange our living room around the temptation box. Think about that. Now, I know it's like, well, where should the line be? And and listen, Christians, I've heard people say, well, I don't watch anything with nudity. Can I tell you the line should be way before that? You can't really watch a television show these days without it revolving around storylines that are basically about sex. And it's all just the same storylines, but they're in different places. So it's like, you know. This group of people engaging in things they shouldn't in the hospital. This group of people engaging in things they shouldn't at the, you know, PD or fire or all the different departments. Like everybody's just messing around and doing what they shouldn't do. Some of you are like, that's on my DVR right now. (laughs) Don't invite the preacher over, okay? Whatever you, don't turn on the DVR. But listen, you, you think about this though. We struggle with all these things in our culture and, Marriages are falling apart because of this kind of stuff. And, and when we finally get together, let's sit down and watch some temptation. And we wonder why we're struggling with this. Now, now listen to me, okay? You, you need to hear my heart here. Uh, this is just one thing. This isn't a message about TV. I mean, we could go, we come drink a cup of coffee and I can yell at you for an hour about that, alright? But can I tell you, we let temptation in instead of running from it all, all the time. I was joking earlier with the first service. We have a group called Yah here that does a luncheon once a month. And I came just in time to eat dessert the other day. And I knew what I was doing, y'all. I knew I had to, I had to get out of a meeting so I could get there so I could eat some dessert. I'm trying, I'm trying to do better. It's like I got to get there in time for dessert. You know what I mean? How many of you, how many of you would say you're trying to eat healthy right now? I only got a few hands. What if I came to your house right now and went through your cabinets? How much junk food you have. You're not as strong as you think you are. Can I just say that? So, so listen, I'm just giving out a couple of of examples that I think hit many of us, but can I say in every single area of your life, you need to let the Lord have full examination of your life. Are you running to temptation or running from temptation? We've got to resist the enemy. We have a real enemy. We must draw clear lines. And I think that leads to our second truth. We need to be a people who pray. We need to pray. Jesus is setting a very clear example. Here's Jesus in this text. He's in the wilderness. has been there for 40 days, intentionally separating from life as normal so that he can seek God and spend time with him. Man, don't you think that has something to do with his position of strength when the enemy comes to attack? Now, of course, he's also Jesus, so that helps, Right. But if we are spending time with him consistently, I think he is preparing us for what he wants to do in our lives. This isn't a call to only pray when you're tempted, though that's a good thing too. But instead, pray so that when temptation comes, we're ready. Not only do we pray, though, finally, we need to commit to the word of God, God's word. Ephesians six tells us to take up the shield of faith, for with it you can extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. Jesus gives us a practical example of this in action here in this passage. Every time the enemy comes at him, Jesus says, "It is written." Even when the devil comes, like misquoting scripture, leaving stuff out, and using it out of context, what does Jesus say? It is written. The Bible prepares us and fills our hearts and our minds and our souls with his truth so that we can distinguish the truth from lies. Why am I so obsessed with us being a church that reads the Bible and prays? Well, number one, because that's what Jesus calls us to do, and that's how we have a real relationship with Jesus. But the other thing is that I know when we do these things that when our hearts and minds are full of his truth, it causes us to go about our daily lives with a focus that's way beyond ourselves because Here's the truth that Luke has been reminding us throughout this series. Some of you, if you've been here, you've heard this. We've been talking about radical change, that Jesus wants to radically transform our lives. And on the first sermon, we're talking about that. Everyone's like, amen, yeah, radically change me, Jesus. What does that look like? What do I need to do? And here's what we said. Radical change starts with everyday, small, daily commitments to obey Jesus and be faithful to him. With a commitment to open our Bibles and let Him speak into our life. With a commitment to pray and talk with Him and share our lives with Him. So here's on the the other end of that. How do we prepare for the moment of temptation? Some of you may be in the midst of some serious temptation today. And and you are in the desperation mode. Can I tell you the answer for you is the same as it may be for many of us. But can I tell you today has been a day of joy and celebration here. We've been baptizing people. God's doing a great work. But can I tell you, preparation for temptation starts today. It starts today with the same daily, everyday, regular faith commitments of spending time with Jesus and letting Him be a part of our lives. Because again, we can't forget Him and His presence. Because when we do, that's when we're ready to fall for temptation. You may be good right now, but can I just tell you, tomorrow morning when you're headed to work and you're in traffic... You're going to forget about God. Later this week, when when things start going bad with your family, when you're frustrated with your spouse, you're going to forget about God. But can I tell you what would change us? Is if tomorrow when we got up, we opened our words, said, Lord Jesus, speak to me. Who do you want me to be? Lord, help me to live for you. Help me to follow you today. Help me to live out my faith commitments, because guess what? Then when the temptations come, when the struggles come, we're already prepared and we're ready. So how do we defeat temptation? By walking with Jesus. Because when you walk with Jesus, church, listen, nothing is better. Nothing is better than having that real relationship with Jesus where we know Him and love Him and experience His love and His grace and His mercy. When we experience that, we don't want anything else. Nothing is better than that because we've experienced Jesus. So the call is for us to run to Jesus today and let Him help us as we navigate through a world that is full of temptation. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to sing a song of response here, and I want to just say a couple things. I know that in a group of people this size, there, there may be somebody in here who says, well, how can I walk with Jesus if I don't know Jesus? Well, I want to just give you the opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. If you know that you don't have a relationship with Him, but you need that, then I want to encourage you to talk to one of our deacons or pastors after our service this morning. Some of you in here may know Jesus, but if you're honest, you've failed recently. You've fallen into temptation in recent time in your life. Or or maybe even today you're in the middle of that and you've just blown it. And you're wondering what happens from here. Some of you are going to fail this week. I think it's just so important for us to remember that there is grace. To be reminded that Jesus didn't fail And he never will fail And our salvation and our security Is found in Christ So if you have fallen The call is to get up and start walking With him again When the next temptation comes You'll be ready Wherever you are today The call is this to set your hearts And your minds on Jesus Lord thank you for your grace Thank you for your truth Lord, may we equip ourselves to walk with You so that when the temptations come, we'll be ready. Thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and Your love for us that even though we mess up, You still love us. And the moment we get back up, You meet us there. So Lord, I pray that all around this room, people would get up today and start following You again.